Welcome to the triumphant return of Real Talk. This is our first episode, believe it or not, since September 27, 2020, when we discussed the classic horror film Head, written, directed, produced, starring the great John Bristol. Um, I think we some of you might have heard of him. <laughs> well, this time we're back. We're back. Almost three years later with a brand new twist. Thanks to my co-host once again, John Bristol of Elmwood Productions. Check him out on YouTube. Check out his Facebook page. Check out anywhere you find Elmwood Productions. Now, Real Talk was always about discussing our favorite movies and the effect it had on us growing up. And we did a couple. We did Jaws. We did Invasion and Buy Snatchers. So many great movies that we talked about. But this time, John and myself are going to pick a movie that was critically panned. But the ones that we like and why we like them right give them a second chance type movies you know yeah like, exactly yeah, yeah. So, so this for, episode wow. yeah this episode features john's pick was indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull say that one three times fast i know right that's way too long of a title but we'll talk about that after oh, yeah. pick was and then my pick was 1981's toby hooper's somewhat classic the fun house i liked it maybe it's not a classic to uh, most classic, critics I but say. i think it's a good movie i think it's a fun movie no pun intended but we'll get into that too. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna start with Indiana Jones. I gotta put the hat on. <laughs> All right, here we go. I love it. All right, so it's been like we said, like three years. And also, one thing we're gonna start doing with the show um, is we're gonna have other guest hosts come on and talk about movies now too. So yeah. I think the next episode is gonna be another Elmwooder, uh, one of the puppeteers of Elmwood, Nikki Laporte. You guys are talking about Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Was it the whole franchise or just the first movie? Mostly the first one. We did talk about some of the other ones. But Nikki is such a diehard fan. I think oh, if she, she had a chance, she would actually marry a dinosaur. That's how much oh, she, she loves these I mean, movies. <laughs> she should just start dating older. No, she's married. But if she wasn't, start dating older men. She could say she's dating dinosaurs, you know. Um, but Nikki's great, so I can't wait to see that one. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, let's let's go right into it and uh, welcome back to Real Talk, man. Thank you. All right. So, all right. So, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was uh, 2008. Spielberg came back. It was right before Lucasfilm was getting ready to sell to Disney. So I think they were just trying to get things going to get Disney interested, you know? And uh, that movie was sitting on the burner for like 15 years. You know, there was 18 or 19 years in between, 19 years in between Last Crusade and that. And um, so what, why I'm saying I'm defending the movie, I'm not going to sit here and tell anyone that Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls is a great movie. I'm not going to tell anyone that it's a great Indiana Jones movie. But I'm going to say this to start. When you have a series of films, whether it's Indiana Jones, James Bond, Evil Dead, you know, like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, we're talking about Toby later. You know, any series of films, there's always one that's not going to be the best one. Mm -hmm. And if Crystal Skull is the worst Indiana Jones movie so far, it's still not a horrible movie. Not at all. You know, it's it's got all the, the things that the Indiana Jones movies have. It's got all the goofiness that all of them have. And I think when people think think people tend to forget when they're watching them as their comedies as well as adventure films. Indiana Jones bumbles his way through all of these movies. And he gets through it a lot of times on just sheer luck. You know, he survives a lot of times on sheer luck, not on his own skill. And that's part of the fun of the movies. And another thing he, people that people complained about that movie that I was friends with were like, well, he didn't even get a treasure in the end. Like, name one where he did. Ah, uh, I can't name any. <laughs> the ark gets taken away from him. Yep. He gives the stones back. The um, the grail falls down the pit. What he gets at the end of each movie is enlightenment. 
Yep. You know, he gets something new, a new part of his life. He gets the knowledge. He gets experience. You know, the first one, he ends up reconnecting with a lost love. You know, the, the second one, he saves all these children. It's really the only movie where he's truly a hero. Mm -hmm. Other than saving his own ass and the things he's there for is the only one where he actually helps somebody else. He helps those kids and saves them. And he brings that stone back to the, the little village and saves the village. And the third one, he regains his father. You know, and the fourth one, he this is where we're going to go with it. And the fourth one, he's a man who's out of time. You know, he's at a crossroads in his career. He's not as young as he was. I'm glad they didn't make any of those. Like, I'm getting told for this shit jokes like in Lethal Weapon. But he's not as young as he was. Yeah, He shows it. But at the end of the movie, he gets you know, there's a there's a line at the beginning of the movie after he gets fired or after he gets to resign and his boss gets fired. His boss resigns. He both they both get to leave. They both lose their jobs at the at the the university. Yeah, which was actually filmed at Yale. Yeah, yep. Because, yep. And the um, reason was is because um, his son Theo, Billberg's son Theo, was going to school there, and he said, "I don't want. I want to stay close to my family." So this is the first Indiana Jones that was actually not filmed outside of the U.S. Yeah, everything was filmed in the U.S. for that one. Yep, um, and it showed. You know, the the, yep. the tropical thing. There was a lot to. There was too much CGI in that movie for sure. Well, at a time when CGI wasn't as good as it is now. You know, like um, that's one of the flaws with the movie. Like the gopher, the prairie dog, whatever it is in the beginning is just like looks so fake you know? <laughs> well the funny but, thing about that is i was because i was re i haven't seen that movie in so long probably right. since it came out in 2008 so i wanted to brush up so i watched it and i was reading more about it too and i guess frank marshall who's the producer said right. we're not going to use cgi we want to use traditional stunt work just like the other one to be consistent more with, consistent more with the other movies but what happened was they thought it was too dangerous to be doing that kind of stuff in the jungle so that's why they did yeah. all the uh I mean most of the stunts were still legit stunts, but yeah, they, yeah. they were using modern effects, you know, which is, I'm fine with that. That CGI, some of that didn't really bother me as much as the, the cheesy prairie dog looked. It didn't, they could have got a yeah. puppet look better, you know? I know. And I'm not just saying that because I have puppets behind me. I'm saying that because, you know, they've used, Yoda was a better puppet than that prairie dog, you know? Right. <laughs> Lucasfilm has access to this kind of technology. So, like, thinking about all those movies, um, but in the beginning of the film, after they both lose their job, that's where I was going with it. And this is what kind of sets the movie in motion and why it's a good movie. Uh, one of the reasons I think it's a, a good story is his his boss, whose name is, I'm drawing a blank on the dean or whatever it is at the university. Tell, you know, He's looking at a picture of his dad and he's looking at a picture of his dad because he's got nothing. He's a single man in his 60s, you know, late 50s, 60s, however, how old he's supposed to be at that point. I think in the late, maybe 60 years old or late 50s. And he's just lost his job and he's going to leave the country. And his boss just says to him, you know, we're at that age where God stops giving us things and starts taking them away. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a, and if you're not really paying attention to the movie, that's just a throwaway line about his dad being dead and his old boss, um, um, Brody, Marcus Brody being dead. Yeah. You know, like, oh, all of our friends are dying. Let's just move on with our lives. And then as the movie goes on, this film is Indy's journey of gaining things at a time when he should be at an age where things are being taken away. He rekindles that original love you know she shows up back in his life mm. and finds out he has a child he didn't know about you know so at the end of the movie his journey wasn't to put this crystal skull back on the dead alien and send them back to their their universe it was his real journey was to you know get the things that he thought he'd never have and he ends up with a family at the end he ends up married things you don't expect indiana jones to do and it's a great and that's a great ending if they never made a fifth movie yeah. This is the, again not the best movie, but having him walk off with the girl at the end and having the kid behind him is a great way to, to end that movie. 
And there's other things throughout the movie that still make it a good movie for storytelling. You know, his friend being the the triple agent, double agent, the, you know, the guy who just sells yeah. him out. That's another thing. He lost another thing. He lost a friend, you know, partner he'd been with for a while and things like that. Um, yeah, was Shia LaBeouf the best actor? No. Is he a good actor? Yes. It just wasn't the right role for him. You know, I think I, it was fine when I saw it the first time in the theater. I was like, that was great. You know, like I knew it was the best movie ever, but he was good in it. Then as I saw it more, I'm like, eh, it looks like he's not having that much fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that like Spielberg wasn't too happy with the whole idea of aliens because he'd done aliens so much. So they called them like interdimensional beings, but they were aliens. Yeah. You know? Well, another person from what I read, Harrison Ford said, I would not want to do an alien invasion thing. And oh. it was George Lucas had the idea, but he wanted to do, go yeah. back to the 50s, the B-50s movies. Right. You know, the and the alien invasion, and that's when Harrison Ford and Spielberg said, yeah, I did Close Encounters. I really don't want to do a Spielberg and alien yeah. movie. So bye. Yeah. So they when they came the crystal skull, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I, I like because it's a it's a it's an artifact that's set in somewhat reality. Skulls have popped up that are made of glass. They call crystal skulls. The vodka, even crystal head vodka. You know, like um, another defense of the film is people. A lot of people were bitching. Oh, it wasn't realistic. Indiana Jones wasn't realistic. He was in the fridge. The spaceships aren't realistic. And I'm just like, have you seen the other three movies? Because in Temple of Doom, they rip a guy's heart out. They pull it out. It's still beating. The dude doesn't bleed or anything. They put him in a fire pit, still alive, with no heart. And then the heart catches on fire. <laughs> but you're going to say Crystal Skull wasn't realistic? Like, they're not supposed to be realistic. They're fantasy films, you know? Yeah. Like, like in Nuking the Fridge, so what? It's it's fantasy films, you know? Like, they're entertainment. Um, but you're exactly. talking about the, the, how they didn't want to do the same thing again. You made a great point about how, being that the movie takes place in the 50s, Science fiction was a big thing in the 50s. And that's another reason why I think Crystal Skull is a great, if you follow the Indiana Jones history and what the movies were doing and the times they take place, Crystal Skull fits in perfectly because the original films were tributes to, tributes, throwbacks, and, and riboffs of what was done in the 1930s and 40s with the movie serials, where every mm -hmm. Sunday you went to see a movie or Saturday and they'd play a little short film beforehand. It would end on a cliffhanger. That's why they called them cliffhanger serials. Yeah. Where the guy's hanging on the bridge and might die. Come back next week to see what happens next. And he comes back next week and he crawls up the bridge. And if you watch the Indians movies, they're a throwback to that, right? Down to the fact that these guys, these adventure guys, never lost their hat. You know, their yeah. hats were stapled to their heads or something, never lost their hats. So, like, and Indiana Jones, this, the films are a series of, within the films, of many adventures with Indiana Jones just surviving through the next mini adventure. And that's what those movies were. But then come 1955, I think Crystal Skull takes place in 58, movies weren't about fighting Nazis anymore. They weren't about World War II. They weren't about what was coming up between World War I and II. They weren't about the adventures anymore. Movies had gone a different direction. It was the Red Scare, mm -hmm. and it was alien invasion movies. And the alien invasion movies were a metaphor for communism in the red scare yeah you know, a lot of those writers were writing that like oh look how evil this is look atomic world this and that the russians are going to ruin us the soviet union is going to ruin us who are the villains in that movie the russians the soviet union you know they're at the red scare and it's a science fiction film with the big monster like like back in the in the 50s you had all the giant bug movies i love those <laughs> and then what's in what's in crystal skull giant ants yeah they're not like as big as a house but there's these big like they went right for that atomic age so this movie was really a, like the originals, a throwback to the era that it takes place. Yeah, you know? I, I, I mean, loved it. And, and that was, and a lot of people missed that boat. They were like, oh, it's not like the other one. It was still the adventure upon adventure upon adventure, but they threw in what was happening and that time frame as well. And I think I mean, that was 
really smart decision making. Well, you know what I think is funny? It's the same people that said, oh, it's not the same as the other ones. If it was the same, they'd say, boy, they can't think of anything new. They're just going to do the same old movie. Why even make the movie? Yes. And you know what's funny about what you said about the uh, Red Scare was that Frank Darabont, I'm sure you know who he is. He's a, yeah, yeah. He a lot of Stephen King stuff. And he, he wrote, wrote one seven, of the scripts before Crystal Skull. Yeah. He's one of the many writers who wrote Indiana Jones scripts that never got made. There was a dozen other scripts at least that never got yeah. made. Well, he's the one that had the Nazis involved. And I guess it was George Lucas. According to what I was reading, George Lucas said, I'm taking over the writing. And I don't know. I, I mean, my personal opinion. He didn't opinion, write the script in the end. Spielberg had his like go-to guy. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Right. Like David Kep. Yeah, that's it. But But Lucas definitely had his... I know Spielberg was done with Nazis too. He's like, after Schindler's List, he don't want to do Nazis anymore. Yeah. They weren't funny to him anymore. You know, he got to that age where the old stuff is still funny, but he didn't want to make them. So I understand why he didn't want to do it. And that's why part of the reason why I'm sure he didn't want to do the new one, you know, that's coming out. But, um, well, from what I, I heard, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Is he only a producer in this movie? And the new yeah, one. Yeah, he is. Yeah. It started with him directing. I know and, and the Nazis were involved in all that because there's flashback scenes, but he backed off to make Fableman instead, which, yeah. is a, a beautiful movie so i see why he and I, you know maybe and i think he was just he'd done it he'd done four of them maybe you know like he's not a big sequel guy he's only done one other sequel in his whole career yeah. that was and that was uh, jurassic park two yeah you know yeah. so indian jones was like his character he helped create it so i understand why he kept doing it but well, i have nothing but faith in the director who directed the new one though i'm excited to see it i'll be there opening night you know I have a feeling it's going to be like Toby Hooper with Poltergeist. Spielberg, everybody talked, and I actually spoke with some people that were in Poltergeist, and sometimes they were calling Toby Hooper Spielberg the assistant Spielberg was director. guiding his hand, yeah. Exactly. Spielberg was the Spielberg, guiding hand, I mean, yeah. yeah. Spielberg's going to have a lot of say in what, how I it goes he, and what he wants. I think he's a lot more, I mean, that was in 82 with Poltergeist. I think he's a lot I more I know that he was never career. really on set for this Indiana Jones movie, from what I've heard. So yeah. he probably didn't have a lot of say, but I'm sure he had some say in the script. Yeah, you know, definitely not the actual direction, but he was definitely there for the story and script. But like the movie itself, though, is shot great. The cinematographer is amazing. You know, the costuming is great. The music is great. Like John Williams, you're talking about John well, Williams on camera. Let's stop right there for a minute because I want to yeah. talk about him because John Williams has to be. I mean, there's so many great composers out there um, like Jerry Goldsmith, Hans Zimmer, Danny Elfman. I, mean, I can go on and on about people. Yeah. Composers, Graham but, Rebell, like, yeah. yeah. But John Williams, all you have to do name like hit three notes and you could say star wars hit another three notes Jurassic park hit another three notes um indiana jones and yep. you know, I, was, I saw an interview with him recently and they said that um he's 91 years old he's still yeah. playing with the boston pops i was trying yep. to get tickets to see him i can't get tickets it was already sold out but they said that he can never say no to spielberg and he wants to do it but he said sometimes it takes six months to make a movie and he goes at 91 years old i don't know what six months is going to mean to me yeah. if i'm healthy i'm going to do it and that's going to be his last movie ever but that would be a perfect one to go out on because that theme is so yeah. iconic. It's so familiar to everybody. I love and it. And he did the last th Star Wars trilogy, and he said he's retiring from Star Wars after that, which made sense. You know, the th he did his three, nine films, you know. So if this is his last Indian Jones movie or maybe even his last movie, that go yeah. out on top, you know, with exactly. a theme that everyone knows. Exactly. But where I was going with it, the music is so on point, too, because he even uses um, the theremin. Mm -hmm. Which was a big thing in the 1950s for the science fiction films. That that weird song he uses yeah. that in the score, which was an instrument that didn't really get used in the 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, up until science fiction films. And he worked that into the score, which was just like knowing the era the movie takes place. He he was smart enough to do that, you know. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, I think a buddy of mine was like, the Indian Jones movies are the reverse of Star Trek, <laughs> where every even number Star Trek movie is really good. 
Mm-hmm. And then Indiana Jones is the opposite. The odd numbered ones are the ones that everybody seems to love. One, yeah. three, and maybe five, where two and four kind of get shit on. And I love Temple of Doom. Yeah. I don't apologize for Temple of Doom. I like them in the order they came out, to be honest with you. I think one, two, three, four is like, you know, the for me. I know Last Crusade is a better film overall, but I have a soft spot for Temple of Doom. But um, but those are things that's my defense of that movie, though, is like, you know, it, it you have to, the character is in a new time, a new place. And he's he and the story isn't about the crystal skull itself. It's about the journey of him gaining this new life at a time when he should be winding down his life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure it's going to lead into what some of this this new movie is, because it's, you know, 15 years later, 16 years later. So I'm, and I know he's playing the movie takes place like only like 10 years later. So somewhere in there. So I know it's, you know, it's going to be the older indie doing something similar, but probably knowing that his his adventure time is ending, you know? Well, there's one thing that I'm so glad, I think you mentioned it earlier, that Harrison Ford said, I'm not doing any old jokes. I'm so yes. glad because I hate those movies. Where oh. spent, like the example would be The Expendables. Like, okay, we know you're old. Shut up. Just, you know, yeah, get on move a little slower. Like, that's fine and all that. Yeah. But just to have the... The lethal weapon thing, which is how lethal weapon started. I'm getting too old yeah. for this shit. And that was part of the theme of the film. But yeah. to add that in as you go, my hat's crooked. There we go. <laughs> to add that in as you go. <laughs> Perfect. Like, you don't, why? You know, you, you see that he's older. You can tell he's older. He's moving differently. You don't need to push. You don't need to be punched in your face with every other line. Like Shia LaBeouf's character, Mutt, calling him old man and grandpa. That was perfect. You didn't, because yeah. he didn't even know it was his dad. You know, like, that's great. Just needle him. Like, needle the old man. That's fine. But just being like, oh, Indiana Jones, my back hurts. The opening yeah. sequence when he whips, he's in the warehouse. Yes. He whips and he swings and he misses the truck he's trying to land on. He swings back and breaks into the window of the other truck. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect old joke through the whole film. Because he looks at the other two guys before punching them both out and goes, I thought that was closer. <laughs> and younger Indy would have not had that problem. You know, that's showing his eyesight's not what it was, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, boom. And he still was the hero of the moment. But, you know, that was a perfect old joke because it wasn't just, oh, I'm so sore from doing that. It's just, yeah. oh, I didn't make it. Yeah. Get out of this, you know? like. Well, you yeah. know what also I like about this movie is how they introduced uh, Indiana Jones. It starts off where he's in the trunk of a car. Car. It, and all you see is the, in... the shadow. Yeah, and he puts the hat on and you're yeah. just like, and it's a great sequence. And it also, in some ways, one more thing about a positive of the film, it's the only actual sequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. You know, Temple of Doom is a prequel. Takes place a year earlier. And even though it's just a sequel, you know, and Last Crusade is definitely a sequel, but it's this one is like a, a true sequel in a lot of ways because one, they throw back to the Ark. The warehouse he's in in that scene is where the Ark ended up at the end of Raiders. And you see the Ark for a quick second in a broken crate. The love interest is back. Yep. And it Karen continues Allen. their story. And it continues their story as well. And that's what sequels do. It continues a story that's already begun. Where with Temple of Doom and Last Crusade, these are just new adventures with the same lead character. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like you don't call never you don't call like Octopussy a sequel to Doctor No. Yeah. It's just another movie with James Bond in it. You know, um, in order for it to be a sequel, you have to continue some story elements. And this is the only one that really does that. So it's the only true sequel to Raiders of Lost Ark. Yeah, no. To me, I really I watched it again, and I can't see yeah. anything that I dislike about it because I just take it at what it is. It's just a fun movie, a as fun you adventure movie. Yeah, they're based on the serials of the fifties or thirties or forties, and I love those. Like you see, as you mentioned, like the guy, the car goes off the cliff. 
what's going to happen? Come back next week. It's no yeah. sense. And, then, and the difference is the New Jersey car goes off the cliff and it cuts to the next scene, you know, like, but um, yeah. So, I mean, and like I said, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's the greatest movie ever made. I'm going to keep saying that. But when I look at the movies that came out in 2008, I can only name two movies off the top of my head. Dark Knight, The Dark Knight and yep. Christmas Skull. I can't think of any other movies I saw in the theater off the top of my head. Neither can I. I and I, I know I saw a bunch of movies, I'm sure, you know, but like, because I love movies. Right. But like, the, when I think of 2008, and that movie didn't have, I mean, it had a lot of hype. It had the, you know, the soda cans and the fast food meals and all that. But once the movie was out, they didn't keep pushing it really hard. And it still was like the number one movie in the world that year. Yeah. Uh, in America, Dark Knight was. But I think worldwide, Crystal Skull took in more money. And that's just, that says something about the movie. Well, I can tell you it's right now, but I actually about had Harrison Ford and the character too. You know, well, I had the figures for the worldwide oh, cool. gross seven hundred ninety million billion dollars. Wait, seven hundred ninety million six hundred fifty three thousand nine hundred forty two dollars. Domestic was three hundred seventeen million one hundred one thousand one nineteen. Well, foreign was four hundred seventy three million five hundred fifty two thousand eight hundred twenty three. Yeah. It's ranked forty six. Domestic, all-time domestic, rank 58, all-time worldwide. So the movie is not a flop. No, it's not a <laughs> not flop. It, it, and, and, and even, like, I remember when critics came out, they were all saying it's a fun movie, it's not the best. You know, yeah. I, you know, and then, uh, I, and like, I, you know, people who just sit there want to, like I said, the, the people I know that just want to shit on it, yeah. watched it once, went online, read other people didn't like it, so they, they can't like it either. There's a lot of that kind of bullshit oh, going on in the world right now in general. People are afraid to have their own opinion because they don't want to be that guy who's not like everybody else on the internet. Well, be that guy. Have I, love, I love being that guy because yeah. I don't, for me, I don't read, if I don't read anything before I see a movie. I don't want to, nope. I mean, I'm normally, I'm never influenced by what other people say because I, I know what, say if you like something and I don't like it, we're still going to be That's friends. Fun. We have yeah. different opinion. Yeah. I mean, so you're I, wrong. I'm right, but no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right now, but it's just I don't I don't know why people have to uh wor yeah worry so much about and like they're so easily influenced. Not everybody, but I know right. exactly what you're talking about. So I I liked the movie for what it was. I always liked it. Go. I only saw it the one time. I remember seeing it at the drive-in because I love nice. going to the drive-in and uh because it came out. It was what the big May, the Memorial Day movie. It was May. Out. I have the actual one sheet, the pre-release one, the pre. I still have that. I have the from the Lowe's Theater in Plainville. Friend of mine's mom worked there, and they grabbed it for me. <laughs> you know, that's that's very. Cool. I should have had it up for this, but I didn't even think of it until just. It's in a poster tube right there, too. But <laughs> not gonna get it out right now. The hat was enough. There's a hat. See the hat right there. Yep, I do see that it. That hat is a 1984 Temple of Doom official hat made by Stetson that my mom gave me the year the movie came out in '84. Wow, I still have it. And if you watch Elwood movies, watch The Jungle Man. Mm -hmm. uh, he's wearing that hat in both the movies. <laughs> wow! So you really, you really are a fan. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm a fan. If you look right there, nope. that is a 1981 uh, action figure, the 12 inch action figure. Oh, I do see it. Yep, right yep. over there. Right there. That's his head right there. Yeah, and ET is underneath him with a uh, Yoda. Yeah. Well, speaking so. of that, I think we mentioned the ending. You mentioned the ending. What I like even better, or no, what I like add an added touch to the ending is when. And Shia LaBeouf takes the hat and they're walking down the aisle. All of a sudden, Harrison Ford takes it. It's like, no, puts on yep. the hat and they That's walk out of the church. I love that. was a perfect ending. I mean, exactly what you said, but even the touch with the hat. I think a lot of people were expecting it to be the type of movie where they're going to introduce this kid and then make a series of films about him. I don't think that was ever really the plan. 
You know, like there was rumors that that was the plan. Oh, we're going to bring Shia LaBeouf in and then the, the, the movies will continue, but it'll be about Mutt Williams instead. And I, yeah, no, it's never, no, that was, that was never, that wouldn't work. And because no one goes to see Indiana Jones movies for the other characters. I mean, yeah. they do a little bit. Like I love Sala. I'm so glad he's in the new one, you know, and I liked Brody in the two that he was in and, you know, but you're there for Indy and you're there for the people around him, you know? And even if they made a series about Mutt, they, that character would have to be so dynamic in the first film. Yeah. If they made another film, like, and they're, they're I mean, that was never yeah. the plan. It, no, I don't think it was ever the plan. They might have been a plan to make more sequels with the two of them together, like do two more, like, like another trilogy, essentially, yeah. about father and son, but that just didn't happen, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess Sean Connery, they did want him as a cameo because during the wedding part, yeah. but he said, I'm enjoying retirement way too him much. Sorry. And John Rise Davies, the guy that plays Sala, were both asked to come cameo at the wedding, and Rise Davies was like, if I'm in an Indiana Jones movie, I'm in the movie. Yeah. It was a good point. He was like, I want to, I don't want to be on the adventure, but I have to be in more than just a cameo. And I get even a bigger scene would have made sense. But, and the funny thing was Karen Allen was just the opposite. I guess she, cause she owns a shop somewhere. Funny she, she, she has a, um, she makes clothing and yeah. like scarves and stuff like that. And, and she also teaches yoga, I believe in yeah. Massachusetts. Yeah. Cause she, what, um, side note, I was trying to, a couple of years ago, I was trying to get her as a guest for the Claws oh. Corner. And she told me to call that place up. I called them once. I'm going to try again. To get her get her on the show because uh, I would love to talk to her. I mean, besides yeah. besides him, but the reason I brought her up, I mean, it's got such a great cast. But she originally thought that she was going to have a cameo, and right. said, "No, you're going to have a big part in here." And you're she in the movie, yeah. <laughs> he goes, "He goes, you know why I'm calling you?" She said, "No." He goes, "You, you don't read the paper?" No, <laughs> they had, she had the no movie, idea yeah. they were going to do it. That's not what a great way to find out. Though you're just going to call, like, Wait, well, you're in it. We, we, what if she was like, "Nah," that would have screwed the whole movie up. <laughs> But she's like, nah, I don't, I don't really want to act anymore. You know, yeah, I know. Yeah, it was fun back then, but I'm not really yeah. in the mood to do it. <laughs> so yeah, so that's my defense of the film. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to close this out. My, what I'm going to say, more or less, with saying like, um, give it another shot, especially with the new movie coming out. If, you, if you're like me, I'm planning on watching all four before the new one hits the theater. You know, just catch up. Not that I don't know the first one by heart because it's my all-time favorite movie, but like, you know, what, you know, give it another shot. Watch it with an open mind with those things. That science fiction movies were big when that movie took place. Yeah. Communism was a big thing. There weren't Nazis really that we were aware of. They were there, but we didn't really know about them at that point in the US. And that was kind of the that's there. And the character, the adventure is never about the treasuries going forward. It's about the, the knowledge and the the new things he gains throughout it. Yeah. No. And so watch it with that in mind instead. And yeah, some of the CGI is a little wonky. So some of the CGI in the first three prequels to Star Wars, too, you know, they were of their time, but it's still not as bad as any Fast and the Furious movie ever made. No, I mean, as you said, <laughs> that's the worst out of that series that's better than any of the new releases for most of the new releases that came out that year. So, yeah, that, the worst is better than some of the original stories. Yeah. So I... I agree with you on that one. And just the cast alone. You mentioned Karen Allen, Harrison yeah. Ford. Then we had Jim Broadbent, Shia LaBeouf, John Hurt, John and Hurt. my all-time favorite, one of my all-time favorites, Kate Blanchett. She is yes. good at everything. She is so over-the-top and wonderful in that movie. You know, yeah. like, people are like, oh, she overacted. But look at Tote in the first one. Yeah. With the, you know, he with the trench coat and the coat hanger. He was that menacing, over-the-top villain. Look at Mola Ram was so over the top like she she was just following the mold you know and she did such a good job yeah no definitely she does i mean it's funny i saw an interview this is years ago but i saw an interview with her and she was speaking and i said why does she have an australian accent i've seen her in so many movies i did not realize she was, know what she was yeah because she's and it was funny because spielberg said uh 
He goes, I was formed by one of my director friends. You might lose Kate Blanchett because she goes in the character. And he goes, as soon as I started rolling, bam, she bam. became that character. And she was, I thought she was great. I don't think she was over the top at all. I thought she played it perfectly. But she was over the top appropriately, you know? Yes. Like the costume, the whole thing. It was part of the character. The way you're rolling your W's. <laughs> like, I love that line. Oh, all right. Yeah. yeah, so that's it. Watch that movie. I'm telling you, give it a second chance. 15 years later, 16 years later, whatever it's been since 2008. I'm bad at math. 13, whatever. Just watch it. I guarantee you, you'll enjoy it. You know what? You sold me. I'm going to have to end this episode early so I can rewatch the movie again. Well, but let's just party, man. Let's do all four and then go see the fifth one when it comes out. <laughs> I got a buddy who wants to do it with me. I'll invite you over when we do it. We're going to do like one a week leading up to it. Let's do it. I, I like right. that. So we might. Okay, so that's you got any last thoughts on Crystal Skull before we go? No, on? I mean, I as usual, you and I are pretty much right on point with that. I, I think yeah. it's a fun movie. You don't have to take it seriously. No. It's not bad. And I like the fact that they didn't go with the old jokes. I like the fact that they just they kept the same type of story. They made it fun, lighthearted, and it was basically what you wanted, what you expected from an Indiana Jones movie. And it it, it did not disappoint. There, there we go. Excellent. All right. I'm changing hats now as we move to the next film. All right. So now if you can get your uh, Carney hat on. I wish I had one. <laughs> Do I have a hat head? If I don't have a hat head, I'll just, I'll just go bald and let the glare come off my head for the rest of the episode. <laughs> what is with this lighting? Anyways, yeah. So my movie was um, Toby. It was directed by Toby Hooper, who is well known for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's his big quote-unquote masterpiece. I um, He came out with a movie in 1981 that was trying to um, dominate or sort of like ride up the coattails of the Friday 13th franchise. And they yeah. won. That just came out. And, and um, so he came out with a movie called The Fun House. And it just was so critically panned. And I don't know why, because it's you, sort of like what you said about Indiana Jones. It's like, I don't know what they really were expecting. It's not a scary movie. It's uh, not a great movie, but it's a fun movie because for me, I love the 70s exploitation movies and I love the 80s cheese. And this is definitely 80s cheese at its best. But they, they, I really think that he is in on the joke and he sort of made it like that. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. like you know, you, you look at what was happening in film at that time too. Like you were saying, the slasher films were just really big coming out of the 70s and Halloween, Friday the 13th and all that. And he was, I think people, I think critics expected a lot bigger from toby hooper maybe yeah. coming out of um texas chainsaw this is the yeah. first movie he made after that right um no he made well after that he did a movie called eaten alive with robert england which is That's really right. good alive. yes yeah. so but it, people, i think but still i think people were still expecting so much from him because of texas chainsaw yeah and this movie has that sleazy feeling that chainsaw had for sure like i think yeah. um and one thing that was also happening then is like every actor that was supposed to play a teenager looked like they were pushing 30. <laughs> and this this is that 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 was like the biggest distraction from me was like there was the jockey teenager who looked like he was 30 and on steroids. <laughs> Other than that, though, like 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 um I thought the, the villain is fantastic. Yeah, which I want to talk about is he was a mime, Wayne, right? Yeah, Wayne Doe, he's a mime. Yeah, yeah, okay. He was a mime. And that mask, that not the mask, the, the Frankenstein mask was great. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw it, I'm like, if this dude wears that Frankenstein mask through the whole movie, that's just cool. Then it comes off and he's got the, the two-face thing happening. You know, the two faces. Oh. Well, you know who did that was Rick Baker. He's one of my all-time. That was Boteen. Nope, Rick Baker. Well, I oh, okay, mean, okay. It said, it said Rick Baker, but you know what, though? Rick Baker and Rob Boteen worked a lot together. Because yeah, that's what I thought. He started was the actually... thing. Yeah, they worked around that same time. 1982 was the thing. And those two worked together. Yeah. That. So he, they might have helped out, but from what okay. I read, it was Rick Baker. So they, maybe he was... Okay. 
Brabotin was sort of coming up in the in they the were, uh, yeah yeah. Uh, I just remember like when the mask came off. I remember the, I, I've only seen the movie twice, once like in high school, and yep. then now to to the show I rewatched it. I remember when I saw it in high school, I was like, oh, that face. Like, I'm, ugh. like I am like I was creeped out. I liked it. By the end of the movie, it was kind of goofy in a way. Yeah. That's what those movies were. What, you know, they're, but the kills were fun. They were. You know, they were inventive. Like, the music was really good. Like, I just think people wanted more from, like, people expected more from Indiana Jones in a way. People expected more from Toby Hooper. And yeah. I don't know why they would expect more from a movie called Funhouse. Exactly. I yeah. thought it had a great, feel to it. It had the airiness. And a lot of people that I know complained about the pacing where it's the first thing killed doesn't happen until 40 minutes into the film out of an hour and a half. I really don't care. I was with them the whole way from the very beginning where like, I love like all those um, ominous um, warnings from the dead. You know, two people got killed in the fun house. house. Then also she goes, beat him over the head with it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's like, well, then she goes, I don't know if you heard me, but uh, two people got killed at the fun house. (laughs) It's like we heard you the first five times, but so you, you know what they're setting up for. It's just and it's the usual let's teens, let's go party, let's have sex. And it's and those were the movies of the 80s. Yeah, and it's and the, exactly what we expected. And you know what's funny? I didn't even realize it until afterwards. I don't know why. The the girl, the main girl, she played Stanza Mozart in Amadeus. Oh, really? I didn't know Stanza. that. Yeah, she played Costanza, his wife. Huh. Yep, and I said, "Wait, why does she look so familiar?" And I thought maybe I just remembered her from the movie, but and I looked it up. I said, "Oh my god, that is her!" Wow, because I can't think of anybody else in that movie that I've ever really seen in anything. You know, it's fine. The guy that played Richie, the one with the glasses, I was reading yeah. about him. See, something to do with I think his great grandfather. Grandfather was a Steinway, and he, now he does something with piano. So he does, okay. yeah. So there's like they did a lot of like like. Well, ABC after school specials or like some TV movies in that time. I'm but, assuming yeah. they they hired regional actors for that too. It was like whoever yeah. was wherever they I don't know where they made the movie if they made it like in New York State or something. Wherever they made it, I'm assuming they brought actors in from that area as opposed to flying people in from Hollywood or whatever. They just cast locally. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, just based on the fact that I yeah I never really saw a lot of those people and other things. Yeah, from um, what I saw, like most of the movies I looked that they were playing in was all around that time period, 1983, 1984. And after that, I didn't really see a lot. But um, a fun side note, um, former guest Leslie Donaldson on the Claus Corner also tried out, um, auditioned for um, Amadeus, and she didn't oh, make really? it. But what happened was Meg Tilly got the part, and then she broke her leg, and then that's why they got this this girl. Oh, yep. they should have called Leslie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what she says. I, she goes, my phone wasn't ringing off the hook. I was waiting for it. She was like, right? I would have played it. <laughs> oh. you know, well, uh, my favorite character in that movie, and I'm t- I'll tell you why it's my favorite character, because he's so useless. I don't even know why they have him in the movie, is Brother Joey. <laughs> he's just, <laughs> I want to talk about him. First okay. of all, the, in the very beginning, it's obviously um, an homage or paying homage to Halloween with the mask and then psycho. Yeah, that whole opening scene is Halloween and psycho. psycho. Yeah. yeah. But he's Which just great. creepy. He's like, I saw your titties. I'm going to yeah. tell everybody. What brother says that about his sister? A creepy little kid. Like, yeah. that would have been a great kid to like make Funhouse too. You find out he's just some sort of pervert and runs a Funhouse now, you know? Like, well, that's what I thought. Not not that premise, but I thought something was going to happen with that because I'm going to kill you. Wait, you don't know when. And I said, all right, this is going to go. First time I, I saw it, I said, he's uh, going to be a, there, he really had nothing to do with it. Then he no. follows them to the fun house. And this is the best part. 
Well, actually, in between, there's some weird parts that just go nowhere where the guy with the gun, what are you there's doing, some, little boy? There's some dragging, yeah. But that, yeah. That, that whole subplot with him doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And the, the best part is, is that the, the parents finally pick up the brother, the son. He, he knows that his sister's in there. He watched her go in, doesn't come out. He doesn't say a word. Like, oh. all right, let's go home, Mom. He's a little shit. <laughs> he's a little shit. I mean, from the get-go, he's a little shithead, you know? <laughs> and then this oh. funny, I didn't, I didn't realize it the first time I saw it, but I definitely noticed it was the guy that played the Barker. His name was Kevin Conway. He's actor. like every Barker, right? Yes. Like, I caught that this time, too. Like, I'm like, I think that's the same guy. So then I, like, went and Wikipedia'd him, and, like, I'm like, yeah. He's... Yeah, for some reason, he said the only way he would play that role is if he got to play all the Barkers. I don't know why. I mean, <laughs> it just makes it a little weirder. And I like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And, and Toby Hooper was such a strange filmmaker. Yeah. You know, like he definitely made weird movies his way. Look at Meg Chat, I mean, Texas Chainsaw 2. Yes. Like one of the greatest sequels of all time because it's just so off the rails. You know, like who cares about the feeling of Texas Chainsaw Massacre? About it was sleazy and dark let's go with part two and make this like big budget on sets and instead of locations and like make it look like we're using sets like it was just insane yeah and i think funhouse is a great build-up to that if you follow his like canon which i forgot about his second film but if you follow because funhouse was the first time he was like he was building these big sets to use you know yeah, he oh, probably had a little like, bit of money. He's like, all right, let's go crazy. Let's have yeah, some fun. And, he, and you can tell, I feel like when you're watching that movie too, you can tell like everybody involved was having a good time. Yeah. You know, they were all and they were all good. I think there was not a bad actor in it. Like everyone did a really good job in their role. Like they all knew what their part was and they did a good job. Like like the girl in the, the shaft with the fan blowing. Yeah. She's begging for her life. That's like, I thought that was like the most intense scene in the whole movie. As far as like the fear of the character, like she's genuinely terrified. Like Red, she did a really good job. I was, I, you know, I was thinking the same thing too because sometimes you see these movies and like these these actors are so, um, it's just not genuine. It doesn't even right. seem real. But they all seemed like they were like you said they were having fun. But it seemed like that they were really terrified for their life. And it was so funny because like when I'm sure. Uh, after that scene where he's with the gypsy, the the fortune teller, and he has like, she gives him the hand job for three seconds, and he gets mad. I said when when he came to the girl, I said, "Oh my god, please tell me she's not going to give him a hand job." That would have been hilarious. But I think that's but you're you're afraid she's something to she's going to get out of it by trying to be his lover, and yeah, yeah. that's how she escapes. And I was like, no, no, no. And then of course he just lays on top of her and kills her. But like, oh, you didn't. I didn't want to see that, and that was. No one wanted to see that, so it was yeah. better that he just killed her. <laughs> yeah, but like that was the thing. That's another thing I wanted to bring up was how like he he kills the woman because she won't give him his money back. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. Character is brutal. The character is legit brutal. Like, yeah. Uh, What's funny, even though the character is brutal, you still have some empathy for him. I think it's because his father is such an asshole, and he's he's deformed, and he could have had a better chance at life had he not had this terrible carny life. You know. Yeah. yeah. You know, did you ever see the movie uh what's it called nightmare alley no With bradley cooper and uh Kate I I, I, it's on my list i haven't gotten to it yet but i've heard it's fantastic yeah, yeah. the reason i brought it's that those up vibes. It, it's very similar to, i mean not with the monster or anything i'm not giving anything away by saying this but it has that same carny feel and it has the same twist it's, it's a really good movie and that's when i was watching that again this time i'm like that's what it reminded me of and i love the fact cool. that the i don't know for some reason Movies about fun houses and haunted houses, I, I just enjoy. <laughs> well, we're horror fans, too, and that's 
that's a genre of like horror, like the haunted house or the fun house specifically, or the haunted house that's not really done as much anymore. Yeah. You know, they, they did a lot of it in the early, like the nineties and early two thousands. There was a handful, but no one's really doing that right now. You know? Well, you I love the paranormal that. activity movies and all that bullshit, but that's nah. Nah. not the same. That's no. speaking of that. I love the opening sequence, not the, the brother with knife before that, when they're showing all the different things from like the, the title uh, sequence. Yeah. Yes. That, that was that was really well done that was and it's funny because you see if if you watched or look at the poster there's a clown popping up that's the one creature one thing that's not featured in the film that's it, there's the, the clown there's like the clown props like the statues and the automatons like those yeah. little those moving statues in it but there's no actual clown in the movie like that's like i really like when i when i saw it in high school we rented the videotape and yep. that was on the cover, and then we're, and that was the thing we even talked about was like this was nothing what the movie art looked like on the cover. But that was VHS in the eighties and nineties too. Like they were just putting anything on these boxes to get you to rent them, especially in the eighties. Oh my god! Like, we yeah. do a whole episode on just eighties video stores, you know. But like, I think we have um, to do that because I can go funny, on and on about that. A piece of trivia though is Toby Hooper directed Billy Idol's "Dancing with Myself" music video. I did not realize that. And props from Funhouse, like those robotic clowns that you see throughout it, are in yep. that video. Yep. He wow. used props from the movie because I think he did it right around the same time, maybe right after the movie was made, and he kept a bunch of the stuff, and that's all in the music video. Yeah, and just on that same line of thought, I did not realize this too that uh, I saw a documentary on Dio. I didn't realize Coscarelli directed The Last in Line. Yeah, isn't that cool? When you find like these cool directors like did music videos, yeah. like yeah. Yeah, that is really cool. I, I like I like Toby Hooper. I don't think he's like a great director, but he does he gets the job done. He does what he knows what he he knows what he's good at and he does it well. I mean, like I love he had his, we mentioned Robert Anglund. I like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. I like Poltergeist. I mean the movies he's done, I like, and they're not, you know, to me they're not great movies. I think I'd have had to pick all out of any of them. Poltergeist was my all-time favorite. Okay. Out of his I'd movies. probably go with that too. Yeah. Yeah. And even though I said there's a lot of talk that Spielberg had a lot of saying that at the time, but who really cares? It was a good, he his name's on yeah. the in the marquee and yeah, Spielberg was busy making ET too, wasn't he around the same time? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I know that Toby Hooper was offered ET. That was another piece of trivia I found out when I was rewatching when I was watching the movie. Like, is Toby Hooper? That's one of the rumors. He was offered to direct ET because Spielberg thought he'd be too busy. Because Spielberg had a soft spot for him. He loved Texas Chainsaw, I guess. Yeah. And um, But he turned it down to make Funhouse. Wow. Because he'd rather That's do horror. horror. And Spielberg ended up doing E.T., which actually was probably the best choice. I I, was, yeah. I mean, that made Spielberg's career. I mean, Raiders was like, Jaws was huge. And, you know, but, and Raiders was even bigger. And then E.T. was like, but that was E.T.'s like that movie that, you know. I'm no fortune teller, but I'm guessing that was the correct move, too. Yes, yeah. <laughs> for both of them, I think though too. I don't think Toby Hooper, Toby Hooper would have made a good ET. No, definitely. Older guys, yes, you know, but ET would, that wasn't for him. I no, can't imagine a family film. You know, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm glad. Like, sort of, you know, Spielberg's smart like that because he knew they wanted him to do Spider-Man. He goes, "That's not my thing." I'm yeah, sure there's some, and luckily they gave it to Sam Raimi, who who that is his thing. Knock, he knocked those those the movies out of the park. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's been a better Spider-Man movie since Spider-Man Two. I, I mean, I, I watched maybe one more with Andrew Garfield, but that was about it. I'm yeah, I I've only stuck with the. I shouldn't range. say I can't say there isn't one because I've never watched any of them. But yeah, they're not. I'm, I'm burnt out on Marvel, so you, you, and me both. <laughs> we we talked about out, that like, in several episodes. I know this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I went to the to see Cocaine Bear last week. Oh, how was that? Thumbs up all the way. Really? 
Oh my god, it's so much fun because it knows what it is. It's a okay. B movie with A list actors, and it's supposed to be a B movie with A list actors, and it's played completely straight, but it's a comedy. Okay, but all the actors play it with a straight face. They say the jokes. There's jokey moments, but it is played straight as as if this bear is really on cocaine chasing people around. And when you play it straight, is what makes it funny. It's very Evil Dead Two like that. Mm-hmm. It's very much like that kind of vibe where the gore is over the top when there is gore too. But it's amazing movie so far. The best movie I've seen this year. Okay, wow. Out of the I've movies, heard, like I've I, I was, I was so entertained by it. It was so much fun, and everyone was. It was Ray Liotta's last film too, and he was amazing yeah. in his part. Everyone did a great job. I'm so glad I went to see it. But as I was leaving the theater, I went with Ricky Passmore. Yeah. You know, and he, you know, and him and I were leaving, and we were just like, "It's so good to see an original movie." Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. Marvel made me think of this in a world where everything right now is a sequel, a, 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 a side story, yeah. a reboot, a remake, or in the same universe as something else. And here was an original movie that didn't have didn't tie into anything else. Like, yeah, that was great. That and that part of what made me happy. And we saw a couple trailers for other new movies. It was like, oh, thank God, not everything's a sequel. Or or a side story from another Marvel movie or DC movie or like it's just its own thing. There's a movie that's uh, that I had a similar experience with. And it's called Megan. Oh I, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Actually, I kept putting it off. It's and a great it's movie. On Paramount now, I think. Right? I think it's Maybe I don't have Paramount. I saw it in the theaters when it came out. It's just a I just, fun movie. Yeah. It's original. Ricky actually said that if like he because I was like I haven't seen Megan yet. He's like, oh, it's finally streaming. You should check it out, especially if you like Cocaine Bear. And I'm like, I did. He's like, then you're gonna love Megan. Megan too. I'm like, all right, so Ricky would recommend Cocaine Bear to you because you love Megan for sure. Okay, well, you know what? I was was, um, hesitant to see it because the trailer just looks so stupid. But now, no, what you're telling me, I I appreciate that. And I know that they know that they're they're, They're they're in on the joke. Yeah. They're not and trying to make a serious movie where I just like it no. seemed like it was too slapsticky for me at first. No, it's not even slapsticky, which is great. It's not even slapsticky, which it's oh, just that's, it's just over the top at times because of the what the plot is. I mean, yeah. it's a bear whacked out on coke. It's gonna be funny, you yeah. know. All the actors play it straight. They play it strong. There's even a couple of known comedic actors in it, but they're playing their parts as you know straight as they should, you know, based like based on the part, you know. So it's yeah. I mean, I recommend it. But anyways, we got on a tangent. We always do. That's what this show is We always about. do. <laughs> I'm surprised. It's already been almost uh, 35 minutes, and we haven't talked about Kevin Smith yet. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we got to do an episode about that, especially after Clerks 3 coming out last year. So. Oh, yeah, which we, you and I both love, so we definitely have to do a Clerks. But I, w- I want to talk about more of uh, the Funhouse. Because Funhouse, yeah. There was so many gr- weird scenes in that Another scene is, uh, remember in the be- beginning when she's like, I can't believe you're going out so late. No respect to guy. What time is it? Well, it's after nine. So they got to the fun house around nine o'clock, but no, I'm bringing this up for a reason. Cause remember when they see the magician that does one trick and I'll see you in two hours. Yeah. His daughter is like, all right. So they got there about nine 30. Maybe the magician went on at 10 o'clock next show in two hours. How long is this fun house last? Is this, is this fun house? Open? Is this, is this, yeah, is this fair open this carnival, whatever it is. It's a carnival, right? It was a carnival. Yeah, carnival, carnival. Yeah. Is this open 24 hours? You know, like I've gone to carnivals. I've been to fair. They usually kick you out around 10 o'clock. I know. 11 o'clock. So, you know, know, like the the one trick that he did, he might be doing alone with his daughter because nobody, no one else is going to be, well, everyone's getting killed. No one's going to be there. (laughs) I didn't even think about that, but you're so right. The timing is just off. 
They should have got there at like six. It should have been yeah, no exactly. respect. You're skipping dinner to go to the fun house. You know, it should have been that, not oh, I didn't even think of that. That's great. But that's because you've paid more attention to the movie than I have, because yeah, yeah. It was your What's choice it? for this. I got um, I got a chance. Well, I originally saw it in '81. I think when before HBO there was something called the Movie Channel. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, that. I, I had the, when I was a kid growing up. We had that before we had HBO. Yeah, no, we had HBO. Then we changed the Movie Channel where my parents switched because Movie Channel is cheaper or something like that. Then we ended up getting HBO and the Movie Channel. So, so I think I saw it in the Movie Channel. But then in 2005, there was a, I went. I was going out with a girl that I met in Transylvania. She was on tour. She lived in Texas. So I went down to Texas to see her. But they had a convention. It was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre convention. Toby Hooper. So of course, they were showing the movie at that then, right? So I saw the fun house there in the theater. Cool. Yeah, so that was really cool to see it on the big screen. And it's just, and I like, I love watching because um, this is what I always talk about. It's a, lot, a lot of times I interview people who are in the horror field. And it's like, I love the, com- the community and the family feeling that like, everybody gets along. Everybody's like, and so, yes. and watching a horror movie with a bunch of people that all like the same thing, everybody's clapping, cheering, having fun. And that's what it was like watching the fun house. That's awesome. That's the cocaine bear. People were yeah. screaming at the theater and that was great. All right. Um, well, I'm going to be checking that out. Or like, like I went to see a revival of one of the evil dead movies. Well, I can't remember the first or second one, but everyone was there because they'd already seen it. You know, it's the same thing, the camaraderie, everyone's excited. I love that. And you don't get that in a lot of other genres. No. You know, you don't get everyone wanting to be friends. And they meet. you like horror movies too? Hugs, you know, like you don't get that. Like, you like we're rom-coms? We're best friends now. That doesn't happen, you know? No. Yeah. Like, Just like, was those, a, uh, like, yeah, like the, the, the cons and also the, uh, the 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 uh, Marvel conventions things like that it's just people like it seems like they're just like I don't know it's not as friendly because I talked to Victoria Price and she said the same thing she goes I was so afraid she goes oh my God these people are gonna be wackos she goes they're the nicest people she goes I felt so home so so everybody was so friendly to me I was like I don't want to leave I love coming there every year so I used to be a huge comic collector and I'd go to all the comic cons and all that I always had a good time at them and all that but it felt like there was competition there sometimes yeah. just to be there. Especially with like the cosplayers, like look at my outfit. They didn't even care what the character was. They didn't know about the character. They're just dressed up as the character because they liked the way they looked. They never read the comic in their life, you know. And but at the horror cons, if somebody shows up dressed like Jason Voorhees, they know every single bit of trivia. And if they don't know every single bit of trivia, it's because they're still learning and they love that they want to learn. They're not just doing it because Jason looks cool. Yeah, that might be why they watched Friday Thirteenth in the first place because the hockey mask scared them. They thought it was cool. Yeah. But now they're obsessed with it, you know, and that's, you know, I'm not dissing anybody for their hobbies or anything either. Cosplay is fucking cool. Like, yeah, I mean, I have an Indiana Jones hat. I have like, I have another one there and two more over there. I'm, you know, I'm a nerd for certain things, but like, yeah. Oh yeah, no, neither, I'm not dissing yeah. them either, but I was just right. saying like, I've talked to a lot of people and I've, 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 I've was, are always the friendliest is where I'm going yeah. with. Like, oh my God. I've been to Chiller, Fangoria, Rock and Shock spooky world and just i go there every year be like hey rich i'm like the same people you see them you become friends and you're like you coming next year i was like all right i'll see you then um, when we had a booth at the one in connecticut the ct horror con yep. ct horror fest yes 2016 or 17 we did the booth i can't remember what year i think it was 16 it was 16 it was 16 we were selling head dvds you know and we did we sold out we did really well. everyone was super friendly super nice i went to it i missed it this past year but last year i went just to go and like go just to go for a day i went to the con bought my ticket was walking around like everybody else buying goodies having a good time you know and somebody came up to me like are you are you the guy that made the head movie 
Wow. And I was like, why? Like, I don't want to get punched out. You know? <laughs> He's like, oh my God, I bought a DVD after you last time. I'm like, oh yeah, that was me. <laughs> He's like, I love that movie. But people remember too. That was the thing people remember. Like, the, you know, yep. and I, you know, I'm, I, my beard is bigger and whiter than it was in 2016. And I probably weigh 15 pounds more than I did. But the guy remembered me. You know, that was yeah. kind of cool. And I was like, thanks, man. And we had just re-released the movie on a new DVD. And I had a couple copies in my bag. I'm like, here, have the new one. He's like, oh, buy it, Fluffy. I'm like, no, man, you already bought it once. Here's a new commentary. <laughs> just being like, just because he was nice, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, see, that that's cool. And that, he's going to remember that. And then yeah. he's going he's gonna to tell his friends, like, oh, man, I met the guy from Elma Productions. Man, you got to check his stuff out. And yeah. It's like, and the horror, I, that's what the horror genre, yeah, is just way friendlier, I think, than like as far as the fan base than anything else I've dealt with, you know? Yeah. yeah. There's no competition. People just want to hang out. They want to talk movies. They want to share their knowledge. They want and they want to learn. Like, mm-hmm. and they want to make their crazy costumes. And they want to make the blood and gore effects. And they want to like. It's just, it's such a hands-on fan base too. Yeah, yeah. Because like you said, it's like in some of the other ones, it's more of a competition. And this one, like, oh man, cool. Can I get? Can you? Can you? Can I get a picture with you choking me? Can you get a picture with you stabbing me? It's like, yeah. I have so many pictures from people that aren't even in the convention. They're just part of it. I mean, they're just walking around like, hey, I want to get a picture with you. I love that costume. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea who, who they are. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, like the, So, yeah, the, the next one, are you going to, are you, um, on a different note, are you going to be at the uh, Connecticut Horror Fest in, when, it's October, I think, September, October. September, October, doing it in Hartford this year. At the, oh, uh, I heard that. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I'm, I'm going to go one of the days. Let's, let's work it out, man. Let's go together. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I was just talking to somebody last night, and they were telling me it was at the XL Center. I said, "Wow, yeah. I didn't realize it's." It got that like big. It. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe part of it is because um, the Rock and Shack is out now, and then another. So some of the other other ones in this area are no longer. So maybe oh, really? they're not doing Rock and Shack anymore. No, it's a shame. Oh, I mean, the, it was it's sad. Like the first year I went, it was they had Roddy McDowell, Christopher Lee, and then the, by the last year I went, it was more like, yeah, he was the key grip in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> The movie. <laughs> so I mean, you know, like some years you're gonna get good guests, some years you're not. The pandemic probably didn't help either, you know. Yeah. Like, but yeah. Like I don't even know who they have um actually the internet. Let's find out. Who do they have coming to that this time? Let's see if I can find I know out. there's one person I know. We don't need to give them an ad right now. They can <laughs> yeah. Well, I know one person because they I went to the Strand Theater. This is where I met the guest, um, Peter Anthony. He's going to be. Yeah, the guest so so I, I saw his movie, but then uh, they they were um, talking about that. And I guess um, the guy who plays Art the Clown in the Terrifier movies. Oh, yeah. Be. I did see that, actually. Yeah. That's a big one because that those two movies are huge right now. That's a big guest. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to be I'm definitely going to be going there talking to him, doing some name dropping. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm sure if uh, you know if if Michael Levy did the podcast, I'm sure like a, I mean yeah he he did the he produced it right yeah he produced it and yeah. co-directed it with uh Damian Leon, so there you go. So they, sure you they also worked together in some other movies. I'm sure you can put in a good word to get him on the show if, if it goes yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So that's I just that's, edited that one this morning. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's a, he's a great guy. I, and I, I you know what's funny is like, did you see that movie? Terrifier I saw Terrifier, but I haven't seen Terrifier too. I like Terrifier 2 better, and it was funny a, because... Yeah, I heard it just had a better story overall, too. And it's definitely it. sort of like what you said about Cocaine Bear. It's like, they don't take it seriously, and it's so over the oh, top. I liked it. It was the, so just extreme. And yeah. yeah. And, and it, not like, extreme in the 90s. No, it was just, like, extreme, like, over the... Yeah, it was... Yeah, I liked it a lot. It was a lot. Of, I, I was very entertained. I don't go to every movie 
I think we've talked about this in the past, maybe not in the show, but I don't walk into every movie wanting high art or wanting the super quality. I just want to be entertained. Just want to be entertained. And as long as I'm entertained, it's going to get a thumbs up. Even if it was like the worst acting I've ever seen or like, like, you know, it could be, as long as I had a good time watching it, it gets a thumbs up. You know, well, that's one of the reasons I told you is I love the 80s cheese and I love the 70s exploitation. The acting, for the most part, is horrible, though. It's just so entertaining. And I know exactly what it is and what they're trying to do. And I'm not going, looking for, uh, you know, going like back you said, to Funhouse. Yeah, but yeah, bringing it back to Funhouse. So you knew what you were going to see when you walked into that theater. Yeah. I was six. I didn't see it in 81. I saw it when I was like 14 and 89, you know, but like, like going back to that, though, like, like you know what you're getting into, you know what you're gonna get. Even now, if you rented it now, if anybody's watching this and says, "I want to see that movie now," which you should, you should, if you like horror movies or if you like Toby Hooper, if you you just could check it out. It's it's fun. Um, the same era, we're saying, you know, the acting's not gonna be great and all that is um one of my favorite horror movies that people always forget about is My Bloody Valentine. I love that movie. It's the Canadian slasher film, yep. eh? You know, like. Yep. And the acting in that has like two different levels. There's this really naturalistic, and you believe the characters. And then some of the background characters that aren't the main people are so over the top hokey. Yeah. And their performing is over the top hokey because they're like, oh, you know, and it's just like, and then, but the, the, what I loved about those movies and Funhouse falls in this category too is the music in those movies were sometimes so out of place. They would never get away with like some of the things they did then now. Like horror movies always have to have big, scary scores now. Evil yeah. Dead 2 soundtrack ends with like a ragtime jazz song. I love that. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, but like, look at uh, but My Bloody Valentine. Like the opening song is like this fun banjo tune as they're all driving to the bar after work. You know, like now it would have to be like some Slipknot song that's still energetic, but it's metal, yeah. so it's scary. You know, I'm not dissing Slipknot. I'm just saying like, that's yeah. where they'd go with the, with the movies now. Like, I know. Well, it's funny. It's, I never heard of it. Funhouse had great music as well as kind of bring yeah, it back. I, I never heard of him but i looked him up his name is john beale he did the, he was the composer and i that was the yeah. first thing i noticed from that f- opening scene i said because lately i've been noticing the music a lot more since i uh i like i recently went to i don't know if i mentioned it on the air already but i saw the, the best of john williams yeah, where, saw it, yeah so new jersey so ever since then and i then i re-watched a documentary entitled score which is all different composers that's a great movie yeah it is and i saw it before and i saw it but now i'm just i've been so in tune with the music thinking because like you realize how much the music makes the movie and how you, integral of a part it is you pull the music out and sometimes the suspense is gone yes sometimes the things that make you laugh are gone even because they're stingers so they're just that you know those things that hit you with the music a score is so important can you imagine what star wars would be like without the music oh my god yeah well, boring you know I, I just saw an interview john williams with, so i saw an interview with john williams and they said somewhere they wanted to they they did they showed the scene of um from one of the indiana jones movies it was eight minutes long and then they said all right let's play with the music john i think they with the boston pops and people were saying like oh my god this is so boring without the music and they said the music it seemed like it, the scene was going on and on and on then the music came in everybody's cheering elevates it yep yeah it, it, music is a character it really is like i'm a big music junkie you know i've couple thousand cds and hundreds of records like i'm a, you, you know that i'm a big yeah. you are you're a music guy too i mean, I mean you were yeah, bands yeah. too so like like but i love film scores i buy film scores all the time like i'm yeah. still 
actively buy if i love a movie i'm buying the soundtrack you know like love love a movie like i'm not gonna buy the cocaine bear soundtrack but like <laughs> I, I unless i found it used for like two bucks you know but i'm not running out to get that one but like you know like i have a lot of john williams scores i have all the Indiana jones ones and the expanded versions and the extended versions and i have et and i have some of the star wars soundtracks and a lot of danny elfman I'm a big danny elfman fan i was also a huge oingo boingo fan but like movie music is just i love it yeah well, you know, Speaking of Evil I, Dead, I, I was just listening to Evil Dead 2 score on vinyl a couple days ago. <laughs> oh, really? I haven't, um, yeah, I remember one time when I was over your house and you were playing the Evil Dead soundtrack. I said, yeah. all right, this is cool. But <laughs> no, I haven't bought a soundtrack in a long time, but when I, in the 70s and 80s, I used to buy the Deep Jaws, Close Encounters, oh, EZ, yeah. um, uh, Star Wars. So I would buy all of them. I Jerry Goldsmith, John Barry. And you know what's funny? Because, um, I just watched that documentary, as I mentioned, and I saw, I didn't realize Hans Zimmer was in that band. Video killed the radio. Oh, he was in the, um, was the It wasn't? That's cool. I did I not realize that. I, so I know that. that, obviously, Danny Elfman was in Oingo Boingo. I knew that. But I did not realize that Hans Zimmer came from a band, too. That's cool. That's really cool. I mean, like, and then the Mark Mothersboro yep. scores tons of movies and TV shows, and he's the main guy in Devo. Like, you know, <laughs> I know. I, I love Diva. So that's another band that most people are like. These guys suck. No, they're actually all they know really is Whip It. All they know is Whip It. That's why they don't know anything yeah. else. And if you actually listen to Devo, they're so good. They're doing a farewell tour, I think, right now. Oh, really? No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't like realize a, that. Yeah, they're still, a, they're still together. On Amazon Music, it's like I, I have classic punk, and they play a lot of Devo on there. It's like time I'll be jamming in my car. Just <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm a Devo guy. Mongoloid. No. Oh, <laughs> And then we're through. Can you even use Being that word cool. anymore? <laughs> what? And I said the other one was like, we're through. Being cool. Yes. Another one. Be stiff. <laughs> yeah. So I don't oh. know how people can hate Devo, but uh, another one that did, did some sounds or some scores, I mean, was uh, Stuart Copeland from The Police. Yeah. Yeah. He did the, um, speaking of Star Wars, he did the, the theme songs for the Droids animated series. Yep. Which is just funny. Um, but he did a bunch of scores too. Yeah. I mean, like, Music is music. Yeah, no, exactly. So that's so for you. When let's talk about your movies for a minute. Like, who does the music in your movies? This well, like Josh and Todd. We'll, we'll do. We did. We've done three feature films. You know. Right. Um, so I was talking about those three. Josh and Todd was the first one. Todd is actually right there. The original puppet. What's left of him is right there. But uh, Josh and Todd. Um, we didn't have a score. We had just we'd use local. We always try to use musicians we know. Um. And we just had like a bunch of local bands contribute songs. And then Russ, who was editing the film, also did just some light keyboard stuff here and there to fill in some blanks. But overall, it was just local bands that we knew or that we were friends with or that wanted to get a song in a movie. Skip ahead to Bernice or skip ahead to, to Head. Um, the One of the puppeteers of the film named Nick, he really wanted to make the music. For, he's, a, he's a guitarist. He really wanted to pitch music for the movie. And and I mean, I'm not gonna like I'm not telling secrets here. When the 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 or I'm not talking out of line even, but when the time came to actually score the film, what he did wasn't exactly what he pitched to me. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't exactly happy, but it worked. And the reason why it worked is because the rhythm. The, the he had a drummer named Mike Finland, and you know Mike. Mike's one of my yeah. puppeteers. Mike's a really good drummer. Nick brought Mike in to play drums on these songs he was doing, which was just tone, noises of tone, you know, which was still kind of cool, but it wasn't what he told me he was going to do. Yeah. And when he pitched to me and played for me a little bit, but Mike's drumming really pulled the whole thing together. And it oh, was good. like that with that rhythm. When you went back and watched the movie now, when you hear the rhythm, there's all that 
like wailing guitar, but when this intensity comes up and you hear the drums, you're like, oh yeah, I get it now. And then the closing credit song was this big, like I wanted like either like something like going back to the 80s where they had like a song that didn't really fit for a closing credit song. I wanted Moonlight in Vermont by Sinatra, but obviously you can't, I couldn't yeah. afford that. And Nick said he was going to write like a song like that. I'm like, great, do it. He never did, but he wrote like this metal song, which is the other other end of the spectrum, you know? And we had this kid named Mike Verone come in who was just this really amazing guitar player. And he came in and just wailed the guitar solos over the whole thing. I love it. It's cool. So I want to give him, I want to name drop him in case he ever sees it because he did such a good job. He's such a fun dude. And he just, I hadn't even met him yet. I met him after the fact. And I'm, and now when I, and now I'm buddies with him. And I'm just like, I can't, I forget that he's the guy who did that sometimes. And then we did, um, and then Bernice was the same thing. We went back and we reached out to bands we knew and we were like, hey, does anybody, want to do this want to do that we had some people who wanted music videos made so like we'll trade you the song to make you the video yeah you know like and then there was one artist named arthur benson who we used his album as the score for bernice too we pulled the vocals off a bunch of his tracks and just used the instrumental tracks throughout the film so we did we haven't really had a full-blown film score yet like that but our films haven't needed it yet head two is coming all right we're really looking forward to that. Well, you you have a whole series with that, don't you? Like head two, head three. We're making three. We're making two more. Um, part two is pretty much done being written. I think we're doing one more polished draft on it, and then part three. Me and some other writer. Me and some other writer are going to be working on that script to get it up to par. So um, you're hearing that first here on the clause on the clause card on a real talk. <laughs> You're hearing that first on Real Talk that Rich Sear, the writer of Confessions of a Frenetic Mind, will be yeah. helping write. Yeah. And, and you oh. know what's funny? I do, we'll talk about this off the air, but I definitely want to get together again sometime. Then we get together once, a couple. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I, I am all about self promotion. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, we'll get together. We got to get together because I got to get you to a meeting soon, anyways, talking yeah. about business for a minute, uh, because we, we're actually actively bringing that project back. So. Oh, good. Yeah, no, so we did it once and it was a couple of years ago. And then, you know, both, you know, life gets in the way. We both got oh, busy and then Bernice got in the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Bernice, I want to get back to the music because that yeah. band you had there was awesome. I love that oh, band. Strawberry Machine. Yeah. Yeah. And then Robert C. Fullerton's another one. And you know what? Have It's genius what you do, too, in a way, because you use local musicians and then they're happy to be in a movie because I yeah. was out a couple of times with Robert C. Fulton um, at a couple of parties and I hear him talking. It's like, yeah, my music was featured in a movie. And so he was just, you know, so happy. So he's we over used, there. We used him in the Risley brothers too. He did the theme song to the show. Yeah. You know, he was one of his songs for the theme. He's such a sweet guy. I like him. Oh, he is. Yeah. And I like him. He's, he's, he's a really good guy. And uh, he was, but he was so proud to be in that movie and he was telling everybody cause it was right. Cool. I went, I, I went to a red, red room sound studios and yeah, he yeah. was there and it was right after the uh, premiere. So we were talking about the premiere and he's like, Oh yeah, well, I think Rich knows uh, I'm in a movie. It's like, yeah, no, it's a great movie. You got to check it out. And then we were talking about that for a while. We went to Pennsylvania in January to show Bernice uh, a screening in Pennsylvania. And that's where Arthur Benson's from, who was like the guy who did the score for the film. So we had him do the same thing we did with Strawberry Machine at the premiere. We had him play. I love and that it. was cool because it was the same week his album came out or like within a week of when his album came out or two weeks, something like that. So he had to promote his album and play it was his first show he played like pre-pandemic too wow so i mean like i think that was the first show strawberry machine had done since the pandemic too like last year so can't believe bernice has been out for a year now i know like when you when you texted me the other night and said rich we're having a or one year anniversary bernice, bernice oh, birthday party yeah <laughs> i was so mad i was too busy watching frank and hooker well dude 
there's nothing wrong with Frank and Hooker. So I love that movie. And then, then this you brought up a great point. You're like, Rich, that has to be a real talk. I agree. Yes. I have I have a story about that that I'm going to save for that episode about okay. how, because we always tell the stories how we saw the movie. Yeah, I have an amazing Frank and Hooker story that it's teenage chaos, so, <laughs> and Frank and Hooker was involved. Um, well, I'm ar- I'm already looking forward to the next episode. Yeah, <laughs> this one's um, not even over yet. No, I mean what I'm going to say is not just us talking about two movies we need to defend. We're actually catching up to on what real talk is. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, so that's good. No, just talking movies, man. Just talking. Oh, definitely. Movies. I could talk about movies, and well, that's that's how you and I became friends. I first interviewed yeah. you, and then next thing you know, we're like, we should do a show together. Have, have you seen Studio Six 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 yet? Yes, I love okay. that movie. Okay, good, good, good. It's hilarious. If you like that, then you like Cocaine Bear. It's okay. the same type of vibe. It's right. very much the same type of vibe. Yeah. Okay. Now, you they know could what? have been maybe the same people. They weren't, but they could have been easily. Yeah. You sold me on it because that yeah. I I loved. That movie for all the same reasons you said you love Cocaine Bear, yeah. and Dave. I always like Dave Grohl. Not, yeah. I mean, um, I think that for me, out of the three people that were in Nirvana, he was the most talented, and I love what he's doing now. It's just uh, I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan, more so too. than Nirvana ever. Like, yeah. not anything bad about Nirvana. I just never got really got into him. No, me neither. I I, that's why. Fighters, so we can get to another conversation where I know why they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but. They were so influential. Yeah, exactly. They were like at the right place at the right time. But Dave Grohl, not only that with like his talent, but I just like his whole attitude about everything. He never takes anything seriously. I like the fact that he gets into these little social media quote unquote fights with these twelve year old girls, and he brings them up on stage. And yeah, that was like he's just positivity. He's so full of positivity. That's what's you know, and he's fun. He's having fun. Yeah, takes his music seriously, but he's having fun. You know, exactly. If I was in that situation, like if I was that well-known and had that kind of power in the industry he's in, I would definitely be bringing positive things to it too, you know? I know, me too. I, I always say the same thing too. I sit, Sometimes I go to these conventions, I see these people that are so miserable. I said, if I was known for just one thing, I would be the most gracious and happy. Right. I'd be like, come on, because I know what it means to them just to be like, hey, man, I got to hang out with Rich and John. You, like if we were you know, big-time celebrities out there. But some people just sit there like, Okay. Yeah. Like, what are you like, even doing there? I you know I would be grateful that I could even be there. Exactly. You know, like, and, and even if I get bored, give me a coffee. I'll wake up. You know, like <laughs> I had a coffee at three o'clock today because I knew we were doing this. And I'm like, all right, coffee. Who knows how long this is going to go? It's me and Rich. It could be forty minutes. It could be three hours. We don't know. You know, like. Well, That's yeah, what so I love like, about this. Re- like we're kind of recapping because we haven't done episode in two and a half years. You know, like yeah. Okay, fans, people watching this, by the way, the reason why Real Talk didn't happen wasn't because we didn't want to do episodes. It was because Rich was killing it, killing it. I'm going to point at you now. You're on this side of my screen, but you're on this side of your watching. Yeah, yeah. Rich was killing it with his other two shows, and uh, Claus Corner and Local Artist Show were just, you were always recording episodes. Mm-hmm. And I was making a movie mm-hmm. and promoting a movie. So we were just, and then I did Jungle Woman right after. So we just didn't have a break to do this. Yep. And if we started doing it, it would have been like, but now we got to stop again. Then we got to start again. So it's more fun to take the break and come back and then and mix it up a bit. Yeah. And not, have, and not have a set schedule too, which is good. I like, I love that you we put your stuff out once we get this episodes going. We every week ish, really. Yeah. Well, which I want to break, do a little break in the beginning of the year, which makes sense. You know, like take a breather and then start hitting hard again. Yeah. And, and as we mentioned, we're right now we're recording. It's March sixth. We already, I already have episodes 
through April. So we're I'm definitely yeah. more than caught up. So I'm, I'm, I got the list right here. Yeah. So this one, if you're watching this on March 6th, it'll be 20 days from today. It'll be online March 26th. So hi, March 26th. Hi, future. Hello. <laughs> what would you, what do you want to say to your future self, Jen? Uh, get a haircut. Look at this. <laughs> if you haven't cut it in the past 20 days, John, do it now. This is your reminder. <laughs> get a little. So part of me wants to unrelated. Part of me wants to let it go and see how Art Garfunkel I can get. <laughs> <laughs> I could be Paul Simon. <laughs> right there we go. But the thing is, I let it go like over the winter at one point, like a little bit. And it was maybe like this much longer, and I was just so annoyed with it. Like I haven't had long hair since my twenties. That's funny. Hair. We both had the hair, you know. Oh like, yeah, no, you you've seen my mullet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you've seen mine. Like <laughs> we had glorious bad hair, but like I I just don't know if I can do it. Part of me wants to, but then it's just like when I wake up with bed head and I'm a bald guy, it's time to cut your hair. <laughs> <laughs> that no, that's that's funny. <laughs> but I really think we should do a Simon and Garfunkel tribute band. There we go. Have you ever unrelated to everything? You ever heard of Garfunkel and Oates? No. All right, look them up. It's it's you know who Ricky Lindholm is, right? The yeah. actress. Yeah. She's Garfunkel and Kate McCucci is Oates, and they do like silly folk songs. Uh, yeah, like R-rated silly folk songs together. And they, and they had they had a show on IFC, I think, for a little while. It's funny. You ever watch Play of the Concords? I, yeah. I, Imagine I that, but with the two of them. Okay. Characters. It's okay. so fun. They're playing like cartoon versions of themselves. It's it's really funny. All right. So they put out a, some music, which is really fun. See, that's a, why I love this show. I find out about all these new things. Yeah, look up Garfunkel and Oates. They have a song. Uh, no, I can't even say it on the show. They have some raunchy songs. <laughs> two of the most yeah. underrated musicians I know. There you go. Garfunkel that's why they called themselves that, yeah. Um, yeah, but anyways, unrelated to everything. But let's, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? So, I mean, be, I love the movie. Uh, I, like I said, it's not the best movie, but back to Funhouse. Fun yeah, we, let's recap. Yeah, back in Funhouse. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, and it, it's another movie nowhere near the success of Indiana Jones, but I mean, it had a budget of $3 million. It grossed $7.8 million. It was not a flop. It definitely yeah. did what it was supposed to do. It entertained me. And I would definitely, I, I mean, I'm not looking for a remake on this, but. There probably has been, and we don't even know. Everything is fucking remade. What I like about Funhouse, I think it was just a forgotten film. It came out yeah. in between the two Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. Yeah. And before Poltergeist 2. I think people just kind of forgot about it. And that's a drag because it is a lot of fun. That's why I like we're doing this episode now to kind of maybe remind people that that movie is there. I'm going to look that up later and find out if there ever was a cheesy Did movie. you? I know we talked about this, but did you see the movie Eaten Alive with Robert Englund? I did, yeah. Like, back in high school again, too. Like, I forgot that was a Toby Hooper thing until you mentioned it. I would just, yeah. This might open up a brand new conversation, but I want, I want your opinion on this. Because there's a line in that movie. And, Which one? Uh, Robert Englund goes, my name is Buck, and I'm rare enough. Fuck. So the reason I bring that up was years later, I'm watching Kill Bill. Yes, that was definitely a throwback to that. Right. So that's the question I have for you. Do you think that he does? I know he's a huge fan of all these movies. Do you think it's more of a throwback or do you think he's ripping people off? I think he's doing it to get people's attention, to bring attention to those movies. Okay. That's why Uma Thurman wears Bruce Lee's outfit in that movie. Oh, yeah. That that is to make people go, oh, that's from that. I got to watch that movie again. Or I got to tell my friend about that movie. Or somebody who's never heard of that movie now goes, what is that from? Oh, that's from that. I want to check that movie out. I think he's doing it to bring attention to the movies he likes. He's definitely, um, he wears his influences on his sleeve proudly. 
Oh my God. Yeah. No, he, so, he says all the time. He goes, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I borrow from a lot of different things. Yeah. And, and so I don't think he's, if, now if he was to make a, if Robert England was in that movie and gave that line, it would have been cheesy. Yeah. You know, it would have been like, oh, Jesus, really? You know, like that was the best you could do. But having another character say it, and it's so out of context because these movies have nothing in common. Yeah. You know, that, no, I don't think he's, I don't think he's, I think he's throwing tribute. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, that's, I was just curious of your opinion. And I remember like me and my friends would say that line to each other all the time. After oh, I know, movie. me too. So, like, that's when it was in people's lexicon in the, in the 80s and the early 90s, probably. We were just saying that because it was obnoxious to say. So that this guy probably has seen that movie a hundred times. You know, that character, yeah. Buck. And his name is Buck. So he's, of course, you know. Well, he he and Roger Avery have a great uh, podcast called Video Archives because yes. everybody knows that they grew up working there. And so yep. that's all the videos that you they used to rent there. And so they're, and there's, they're, actually what I'm doing is I have a membership with uh, Hamden Best Video. So a lot of these movies I've already seen, but it's sort of like what you just said, like, wow, I want to go rewatch that again. And I've been yeah. doing that a lot lately where yeah. I'll be talking about a movie and I'm like, wow, you know what? I got to see that movie. I'm trying to think of one of the last ones I did. Was, there was a couple of George C. Scott movies that I've seen from years ago. They were really good. But, and, uh, but, and then another one was um, Alice, Sweet Alice. That, that's the last one I read. Oh, my God, yeah. You know, see, I even th- saw that movie in so long. Brooke Shields is in it for yep. maybe 30 seconds. But yeah, for like a minute, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because that was right after... Uh, What's that one movie that she was really popular in? Some, oh. I don't know, whatever, whatever it was that made her really, she that just came out. So that's why they put her name on the marquee. Yeah, to make it, yeah. Yep. You know, but that, but so it's like, yeah, I've been doing that. I like that podcast and his book is really good too. I, I got to get his book. I've been meaning to buy it. I just keep putting, I have like four other books on the shelf I haven't read. One of yeah. them is Kevin Smith's Secret Sash book that came out last year. I still haven't read that. Dave Grohl's book, I still haven't read that. Have you read Confessions of a Frenetic Mind by Rich? Sarah? I've read half of Confessions of a Frenetic Mind. We're going to be adapting one of those stories as an album short film. So. Oh. All right. So, you, well, you only read half of it. So, do you, I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think for you, what would be the uh, easiest or best story to adapt? I have my, I think it might be, my opinion might be the Haunted House one, but I don't know. I don't know. I think taking care of business could be a lot of fun. That would be funny. I love that yeah. story. The Lincoln House Massacre—that's the haunted house one, right? Yeah, I haven't read that one yet, but I think uh, taking care of business would be fun, and Robbie's Revenge would be like the easiest to do, I think. But yeah, yeah, I think take out of because I've read the Robbie's Revenge, Can't Catch a Break, and Take Care of Business. Yeah, the but last one's a little bit more for the Dark Secret. Yeah, with that's a little bit more intricate. So I think it would be like I mean, but you could do it. You've obviously done it in other movies, but yeah, I was just curious. Uh, that's that, the longest I'm, one in the book too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. This is Rich's book, by the way. For those of you who don't know, it's available now on Amazon. There'll be a link in this video at the end, or maybe in the middle or somewhere. There'll be a link underneath here too, right now. It goes and it goes great with a hoodie, a shirt, or a phone case. Or a phone case. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can um hold on. Let's let's do all the plugs while we're here. Why not? We don't have to wait for the plugs at the end of the show. We'll just do it now. Or you can go on elmanproductions.com and get yourself a copy of Bernie's 2, our newest film, which we have. They're limited edition, so when these sell out, there's no more. It's ending with this with Head. And we have a couple. We can get, like, Steve the Vampire and Josh and Todd still, too. But, yeah. And get them while you can. See, where can people see that if they, if they want to stream it? Head, um, if you go to elmanproductions.com, there's a ton of links. It's on YouTube on a few different channels. Kings of Horror has it. Um Few other ones a joe blow horror it's on joe blow horror now 
It's on a few other ones there. And it's also on Tubi, which I recommend watching on Tubi. There's I ads on all these anyways. They're free with ads, but Tubi is a great spot for head. Yeah. <laughs> and this right now yes. is only available on DVD. You can, by the time this airs, you'll have today, March 26th, to watch the online streaming. Mm-hmm. We're going to have it up for one week. You can pre-order it now, which this is going to be up by then. But it's pre-orders are available now in March 6th for a weekend of streaming. But if you buy it on March 26th, which is today, where this goes up around 7 a.m., you still have a chance to go to our elmwood.vhx.tv and buy it. And then you can just watch it whenever you want. But that's the only day, that's the last day to be available to buy. So if you're watching this March 28th, you got to go buy the DVD yep. and wait for it to come in the mail five days later or whatever. But I'll autograph it if you ask me to. So. <laughs> Boy, I didn't even get an autograph copy. <laughs> I, I can, yeah, you did. I, I did. <laughs> Yours is like everyone's name on it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I got a couple of those left too if somebody really wants one. with it. But they're actually on our thing. You can buy the autograph version. There's like 25 left. Right. So they're available in like a special limited edition bundle. Well, with the yeah. soundtrack that you can't get unless you buy that bundle or come to an event. The only way you get the soundtrack is if you come see it, see it live or buy that bundle. Do you have any plans to do any more premieres? Not premieres, but any more screenings? Um, we're waiting on two festivals for Bernice 2 right now. Um, and if we get in those two festivals, we're going to do those screenings. But everything else is just, we're just going forward after those festivals with either getting a distributor or finding another way to self-distribute it, maybe bringing it back to VHX later or something. Um so that's it. Just we're waiting on those two festivals. As soon as I know, you'll know. Yeah. <laughs> what about Bantam um, Cinema? Bantam Cinema. Um, we'll talk off the air. We might do it, but I'll talk to you about it off the air. Yeah. Okay. Just so you know, we might still do that, but we're not like super planning anything just yet. But there's a okay. couple of spots we might do locally. Um, we'll talk about it though. Yeah. All right. Very cool. cool. Well, so do you have any final thoughts on Indiana Jones and the Funhouse? Just movies in general. There's a movie that should have been made. What? Indiana Jones and the Funhouse. Let's, <laughs> let's do an Indiana Jones horror movie. They never did that. <laughs> you know what? So that's why. That's what. There's a, lately I've been interviewing a lot of people that are doing these fan films, and that's I think that we should, we have to do it. Oh man, let's do a fake trailer. I don't think I do a whole fan film. I don't have the patience for that. <laughs> we do you a fake trailer. Though. Yeah. Well, it was great because uh, two of two of the guests I've had. Michael Levy is a huge Michael Myers fan. He did. Um, you're, when you, I don't know if you watched it already or watched part of the interview, but he did Michael Myers at 60 years old. It's hilarious. Oh, no, I haven't gotten to that part yet. I was just dropping the titles and everything when I edited it, so I actually watched the whole thing yet. But the, but the and then um, Peter Anthony is really big into Jason, so I told him, I said, I, my if I had if I was able to do that, I would pick Phantasm. He just stopped. He goes, that's what I was thinking next. So I don't, but he said, he, he and I both said the same thing. No, we can never get anybody to play Reggie. <laughs> No, no. This is why puppets, people need to make more movies with puppets because the puppets don't age. So you can make a sequel 10 years later. Like if we want to make a Josh and Todd sequel, we made Josh and Todd in 2008. We put it out in 2011. So it's been 12 years, 13 years since Josh and Todd came out 2023 now. So 12 years, right? 2023? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 12, 13 so if I want to make a Josh Todd sequel now, Todd has not a, I mean, I have to fix the puppet. He's, he has no feet. But like, but but he has feet. They're just not there. The legs are there, but the feet are missing. Yeah. But like, you know, puppets don't age. Like we, like Risley Brothers. There was a big break from the last episode and the short film we did two years later. And the puppets look exactly the same. Yeah. They don't age, you know? like So you want to do a Phantasm sequel? Or anim, you know, I animated even, but puppets are more fun. <laughs> yeah, no. So, Head, we're making a sequel to Head. And it's, it picks up 
not long after the first movie ended. Puppet Stone Age. Well, if you, you know, and if you need anybody, the writers don't age either. Well, the writers do age, but the writers won't be seen. So I'll be more age gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no one could play Reggie. But imagine if they tried to make a remake of Phantasm, just totally off the topic of final thoughts. Like I would be so pissed. Just make another sequel, and if Reggie can't do it, I get it. Just write, you know, have his character not be in it. That's all. No, exactly. No, I said, and I mean, the Tall Man's another one. I mean, maybe you could do a Michael, maybe you could do a Jody, but Reggie and the Tall Man, I'm, that'd yeah. be a t- two tough ones. And to remake it, like, who who do you get? You, you know, like, you do the same thing you do the original, just complete nobodies, like, you yeah. know, new people coming in, new actors. Yeah. You know? Well, that's oh. why I like what J.J. Abrams did. He basically just cleaned it up a little bit and yeah, made he, it, but more, yeah. Remastered the movie to look better, which is yeah. fine. Yeah. Instead of redoing it, and remaking it so i like the fact because he's such a huge fan i mean if you watch i mean right. i know you know all this stuff he has so many references to phantasm throughout his uh oh look at look at the star wars movies he, did. he called a character fan faz fan was a phasma something like that and then I think phasma, alias too he had yeah tall man was an alias but also well, they yeah. had a lot of other things the actor was an alien but there's yeah, yeah. phasma in the star wars movies he made and so stormtrooper in a silver suit like the ball yep that was totally a phantasm thing. He, you know, like that's so cool. Anyways, so final thoughts. I just check out both these movies, especially if you're a movie buff. You won't be disappointed in either of them when you look at them from the context of what they're supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, don't take them seriously. Just take them for what they are. It's pure entertainment, and that's all it is. And they're fun movies. And Indiana Jones. It was a pleasure doing. It's so good to be back on Real Talk. It is. And, uh, I look forward to. Uh, at least Frank and Hooker for one movie. We're not sure what the second movie is going to be yet, but we'll be talking off the air. And um, I like the fact that we're going to get... directed Frank and Hooker. We'll maybe just do a couple of his films. Okay. Yeah, I'll I, look at, I know. Right who, I can't remember his name, but I know what but he's he did, done. Um, Reanimator. Yes. Same director, right? Yeah. So maybe yeah. we'll do that. The Reanimator and Frank and Hooker. All right. Well, you know, that's Lock, something. Timer, Lock, I don't know. Anyways, yeah. I'd have to look it up. I, it's definitely yeah. the same guy, and I just can't remember his name. But yeah, Frank and Hooker and maybe some of the Reanimator movies. And uh, I look forward to getting the show back on a regular basis, and uh, maybe monthly. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's good. One to month for this. Monthly, because the next episode you're gonna have Nikki on, so looking forward to that. And then, but yep. next week's episode of Anything Rich would be the Claws Corner, and that one is going to be Garcia, 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 Anthony Garcia. No, I thought it was Julia Porman. No, that's next week. I'm talking about like from oh, when yeah, on March 26th. Yeah, Danny Garcia. He's Danny like, Garcia will be the episode following this on the Claus Corner channel. So look forward to that next Sunday, Danny Garcia. And just tell people what it is. It's like it's a really fun interview because the guy was he we recorded show. He was in Spain. He's oh, a, nice. I, saw, I saw a documentary on the punk. It was a club called Max's Kansas City. Oh yeah, it was before CBGBs, and it was all I, I saw that, and I said I need to have you on the show. It was such oh, a oh okay yep. I'm aware of that documentary. Cool. All right. Yeah. I have to watch that. So that's the guy. And then he's coming out with one on, a, oh my God, what's that hotel that's right near there? I have to, I can't remember. But anyway, he's doing a documentary in that hotel. He's going to be back on the show to talk about that too. Oh, so cool. Because um, there was a lot of different things that were happening there with a lot of different people. I think there might have been a hotel where uh, Sid and Nancy were supposedly he killed her. That Not hotel. the Chelsea. Yes. Chelsea. Oh, it, is the Chelsea. it was the Chelsea. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. The, he's doing a documentary in a Chelsea. So he's going to come back on the show to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So a lot, a lot of fun things coming up on Real yeah. Talk, Elmwood Productions, Confessions of Frenetic Mind, Claw's Corner. I'm loving it. We're Here we back. go. We're back. We're back. Everything's back for 2023. In the immortal words of Weebo, it's going to be big.
It's going to be big. We miss you, Evo. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Until next time, this is Rich. This is John. And this is Real Talk. See you soon. Mm -hmm.